0: Welcome back to QAV episode 622. We're recording this on Tuesday, the 30th of May, 2023 at 2.40pm in the afternoon. We've just spent the last 40 minutes mostly talking about the succession finale.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that was so good. It was on last night. That's what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, get into that more, I guess, in After Hours. Uh, how are you, TK? Good. Good weather in Sydney. Played golf
1: yesterday. Went for a walk today. It's lovely. Back's doing okay? Uh, a little bit sore, but it's fine. I'm managing it. You're heading off to where? Wagga. Down to Wagga. To winter Wagga tomorrow. The exotic play.
0: You know, it's the Las Vegas of Australia, Wagga. The capital of Here, man, fun and entertainment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good old Wagga Wagga.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chrissy and I got our uh, COVID and flu booster shots on Thursday. That knocked me around for a couple of days. Oh, really? Yeah, not too bad, but, you know, just kind of feeling not great for a couple of days there. Couldn't go to Kung Fu, that kind of thing. Did go and see Robert Forster on Friday night, which was great. Had a great night. Really enjoyed the show. Lovely. Did you go backstage? Mm -hmm. No, wife. lines of coke and strippers and stuff? What do you think's going on? Backstage at a Robert Forster show. Yeah.
1: It'd be uh, vegan snacks, wouldn't it? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I thought Chrissy Ewan. She does, but she was playing it cool. And
0: Taylor was looking after Fox, so we got home as quickly as possible. But Robert's wife, Karen, who Chrissy knows the best, got up on stage and did a few numbers, which was really nice because you know the whole album is about her fighting stage four cancer and the fact that she's still alive and could get up on stage and sing a few tracks was really really lovely uh shout out to Stuart and Jemima from Jindabyne who I had their new club members had a chat with them this morning did the old welcome to QAV zoom call which was terrific The a lovely couple getting their head around how to do a checklist and that kind of stuff so shout out to all our new members. If- if you want to reach out and have a holding your hand session and talk you through stuff, it's actually, I said this to Stuart and Jemima in a minute, it's honestly my favorite part of the job is getting to talk to new QAV members and talk them through stuff, explain stuff. It's always good to get some face time with new and not so new members. You know, I like getting
1: phone calls from members and having a chat. It's always fun. This is not your favorite part of the whole QAV thing? Having a chat for 40 minutes on succession. (laughs) Yeah, apart
0: from talking to you every week, my next (laughs) favourite bit, I'm talking about the work side of it. Ah, right, this isn't work, no. No, this is the fun part. Tony, if the US always comes up with a last-minute deal (laughs) regarding the debt ceiling, as they have done (laughs) this week, why did the market crash for two days according to the AFR out of concerns and trepidation about the looming debt ceiling negotiations, and then it just went back to where it was on Monday, (laughs) bounced back when they pencilled in some sort of a deal.
1: Yeah, I think the market isn't open yet in the US. They're on their Memorial Day weekend holiday, so it opens tonight. So we'll see what happens. But no, I agree. I don't know how many times I've seen this playbook, and it always ends the same way with a deal with minutes to spare and the, the problem gets kicked down the road. It's a strange situation, but I agree with you. The only analysis I saw which made any sense was that it was more to do with the bond market, and people just weren't prepared to take any risk that there could be a problem with the the US government debt not being honored, and so they just weren't entering the market and the market was freezing up, which may have had some ramifications in the stock market if banks couldn't borrow or whatever. So. And the sad thing about it is it's a bit like the boy who cried wolf. Oh, yeah, this is what, the 30th time they've done it or something. Next time they do it and they don't get a deal done, it's yeah. going to be a real problem because everyone's just going, ah, so that's thing against a sideshow, forget about it.
0: I think there was one instance I can recall in the last decade when they didn't do it by the deadline and they had to start putting people on, sending them home. I think during Obama's reign, they said say everyone, government employees had to... Go home for a week, but it only lasted like a few days or a week or something, and they finally came up with something.
1: I don't know. I've got a I've got a distant memory. It may have been the Clinton years that they actually did drag it out for two or three months, and people were taking leave and stuff. But the government, the government never defaulted. They just didn't pay their employees for a while. So you know, you know who loses in these things? Not Wall Street. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> no, it's the punters. Speaking of punters. Congrats to my old mate, Dennis Bastis. I read in the news over the weekend that he's now worth $1.23 billion, his estimated net worth. So officially, I think the richest guy I know. I, as I always say, I remember Dennis when I had to take him out to lunch because <laughs> he couldn't afford to buy lunch. He, he uh, now runs one of the uh, generic pharmaceutical companies in Australia. When well, I say runs it, like owns it and has done very well for himself. And I haven't spoken to him for a couple of years, but Chrissy and I had lunch with him a few years ago when we were down in Melbourne. Lovely guy, soul of the earth, nicest, like you, like uh, Buck Greek. He's the Greek Tony Kynaston. <laughs> really, really, really nice guy, and uh, I remember he told me the story. When I first met him, he was, he, I think he was running the digital arm um, of Village Roadshow in the late 90s. And then he was at a startup called Isis, which was an unfortunate name for a startup in retrospect. <laughs> and um, yeah, then Isis went ran out of money. He was like the CEO of one of the divisions of Isis. That went out of money. And he was out of work for like a year. And I, I, he and I would take him out to lunch on my Microsoft card like once a week or every couple of weeks down in South Yarra. Remember, he went to, he went to Greece for some family wedding or something. And he came back and he said, Yeah, I met this guy who owns like the biggest generic pharmaceutical business in Greece at the wedding. And the guy said to me, You know, who runs all the generic pharmaceuticals in Australia? And he said, I don't think there is one. He goes, Well, maybe we should enter that market. Dennis goes, Yeah, I'll write a business plan for you. I'll go back and I'll research it. So he wrote a business plan for the guy. Then they did a joint venture and Dennis ended up running it. He called me up and he goes, you know any CFOs? I need a CFO. And I said, yeah, I know a guy. So that guy, who's my accountant at the time, became his CFO. Anyway, then they floated it and you know, then he sold that to a bunch of Indians about four years later for $400 million bucks. And then he bought something else and he just keeps buying stuff and gets bigger and bigger and now he's worth over a billion dollars and just came from meeting a guy at a wedding in Athens and going, yeah, I could do that, sure. Anyway, great story. I know he's a big fan of this show, Dennis, never misses an episode. Yeah, we should get him on. Yeah, we should get him on. No, I've tried before. He, he doesn't, doesn't like publicity, Dennis. <laughs> well, he would have just enjoyed that last five minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was actually one of my advisors in my first startup before the podcast network when I did the startup called Golf Lounge, where we were trying to set up a golf, online golf booking business in the, I don't know, like 99, I think it was. He was one of my advisors in that. There you go. You would have, where were you then? You should have done that with me.
1: Yeah. That's probably, probably would have been a customer.
0: Yeah. That's when uh, the Mary, Princess Mary of Denmark worked for me. She oh, uh, was really? part of my golf lounge business. Yeah, yeah, it's another story. Anyway, <laughs> congratulations to Dennis. Lovely guy if you ever run into him. Doug Tynan uses a checklist, Tony. Yeah,
1: I saw that article in the Fin Review. It's interesting. Good on him.
0: Yeah, Doug Tynan has a simple investment secret, it said in the financial review. In a market crowded with macroeconomic crystal ball gazing and noisy high-conviction stock picking, the GCQ fundy is building a business based on one thing. One thing. You want to know the secret to life? One thing. (laughs) Doug Tynan loves a checklist. In a funds management market crowded with macroeconomic crystal ball gazing and noisy high-conviction stock picking, the former VGI Partners executive is building a business based on one thing. Does an investment make it through an extensive vetting process? So far, it appears to be working. His flagship GCQ fund posted a 26.1% return for the six months to the end of April, outperforming its global equities benchmark by 17.6%. He says, some of the key professions in the world, whether airline pilots or ER doctors, run off checklists because the world's a very complicated place. He's been listening to this podcast, Tony. Yeah. However, in a lot of funds management, the more experienced a fund manager gets, the less they use a checklist. An airline pilot with 30 years experience can fly the thing blindfolded, but they still use the checklists and they don't begrudgingly do it. And whenever there's an incident globally, they ground the planes, work out what went wrong, and improve the list. We've done that with investing. Whenever we've made an error or lost money or not made the money that we thought we would have, we've stopped and said, How could we have avoided this with the checklist? Found
1: that interesting? Yeah, Man After My Own Hearts. Yeah, a big fan of The
0: Checklist. Sounds like he read the same book you read, actually.
1: Yeah, it's The Checklist Manifesto. Yeah,
0: good book. He never run into this guy before, Doug Tynan? Never heard of him.
1: I've got a feeling, no, hang on, no, I shouldn't say that. In the article it said I think he was formerly from VGI Partners who were a big short firm. I've heard of them, but I haven't heard of Doug. I
0: wonder if we can get him on the show. We can compare checklists.
1: Yeah, good. Because it seemed like their checklist was different to mine. It wasn't all necessarily numbers-based. It was things like, you know, has the company had a natural competitor for the last 20 years or not?
0: Sounds very buffety. Do they have a moat?
1: Yeah, kind of of trying to quantify those concepts, I guess. Speaking of people you know, how's your relationship with PwC? (laughs) I stopped using them a couple of years ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is a shame i could have got some really good inside dope on the on tax avoidance if i'd stayed with them not that i would ever do tax avoidance but uh that's terrible isn't it
0: yeah i was gonna ask you what you thought of the whole pwc meltdown like it's pretty pretty appalling.
1: my take on it is particularly under the conservative government when they peddled the small government mantra the public service was capped and even cut. For staff numbers, but consultants grew and they're like now, like 25% of the headcount in the public service, which I think is the real appalling problem. You can't have these people who are advising you on the one hand and working for you on the one hand, then going out and advising clients on how to get you on the other hand.
0: Oh, Chinese walls, Tony. We've got Chinese walls. Chinese walls. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Never been a problem. <laughs> never been a problem in the history of corporations with Chinese walls. <laughs> they, always, they always work, Tony, flawlessly, Tony. Just There's, there's never been a book written about how, how the Chinese walls uh, fell over and sort of a, leaked.
1: There's no <laughs> leaks in Chinese walls, Tony. Never happens. What's your problem? A few trap doors, a Do few secret panels. <laughs> Press this one; the door opens. So... Look, I know public service is intransigent and difficult to manage people out of. And that's one of the reasons for not growing it. But they've got to rebalance that so there's the headcount increases, consultants go down. And uh well, I think PWC's just gotta be put in the doghouse for a while. Federal government shouldn't have anything to do with them for five years. You think that's gonna happen? No. Because these people donate to the political parties big time, big donors. Yeah, you want to go to the Olympics? Yeah, sure, we'll do that for you. you want to go here? You want to go there? You want to go to the footy? You want to go to the State of Origin? Yep, no worries. Come to the PwC box.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. It's appalling. Speaking of appalling, Brett Lade has had problems for the last week. Not Brett's fault at all. Seems to be, for me anyway, it, it's had a lot of problems in safari. It just, just doesn't load, or very, very slowly anyway. Open it in Chrome and it works a lot better. So I think there's some sort of problem with Safari and Google Finance and I don't know what Apple's done to Google, but uh, something's gone awry. So if people are having problems, and no one's reported it apart from you <laughs> and me. I haven't seen anyone else complain about it. Maybe people just aren't using the bread as much as we do. But if you're having problems, my tip is open it in Chrome and see how you go.
1: That's the same thing I had. Yeah, I was surprised it wasn't all over the Facebook group, that it wasn't uh, wasn't loading, but I had problems. And then, uh, that made me think it was just my settings on my laptop. But um, I got it working in Chrome. It could still be my settings in Safari, but uh, I haven't been able to get it to work for a, a week now.
0: Well, I didn't change my settings. It was working fine one day and then not working the next. Same. Speaking of uh, things not working... Did you know that Apollo Tourism is now THL? Have
1: we talked about that? Yeah, we did. They, they were going through a merger with a New Zealand company. Tourism Holdings Limited. Yeah, that happened last year, I think, end of last year.
0: Yeah. I noticed that Apollo was still showing up in our manual data in the checklist, and THL isn't, so we haven't made the change. But I just wanted to let people know... Now, I know this is a very sneaky attempt that Apollo's making to get through my Apollo filter. <laughs> it's not work. I'm, I'm, I can see what you're doing there, Apollo. You're trying to get back on the, the uh, QAV good books. They're rebranding. Yeah, they went through a rebranding
1: exercise just to avoid my steely gaze. But uh, I wonder what PwC will rebrand to. <laughs> National government holdings. <laughs> Chinese Walls Limited. using GPT
0: to find companies with a qualified audit. I had a question from Alex F. on Facebook uh, asking if um, anyone had tried to use ChatGPT to find companies with a qualified audit. So I did try. ChatGPT now, for the uh, people who aren't aware, has access to the internet. If you're a premium subscriber, it has access either via Bing or via a number of different uh, plugins. So. I actually asked it to, I gave it Apollo Tourism's website and I said, can you tell me if this company has a qualified audit? First, I asked it if it knew what a qualified audit was and it gave, it told me what it was. So it did understand that. Then I asked it to check if Apollo Tourism had one. It couldn't find one, but that may be because Apollo Tourism is now THL. Well, the website sort of redirects there. I don't know. I know that in our manual data, we've still got Apollo listed as having a qualified audit, but I don't know if that's true now that they're THL. But then I asked GPT to give me a list of all of the publicly listed companies on the AXX that have a qualified audit. It couldn't do that. It basically said, go do your own work, you lazy bastard. No, it said, I'm sorry, I can't
1: do that. (laughs) It's beneath it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Puny humans, that's beneath me. Yeah, (laughs) Do your own work.
0: It said, um, as of my knowledge knowledge cutoff in September 2021, I don't have real time access to such specific and up to date market data, including lists of companies with a specific audit status. However, this information can be potentially obtained, etc., etc., etc. And I said, hold on a second, you do have into- access to the internet, can't you do it for me? I'm afraid I couldn't find a comprehensive list of all ASX listed companies with a qualified audit. However, audit reports for publicly traded companies are typically included in their annual filing, such as Form 10-K in the United States. In the context of Australian companies listed on the ASX, these reports can typically be found on the ASX company announcements platform or the company's own website. The audit report is usually included in the annual report of the company. In these annual reports, you need to look for the reports of independent registered public accounting firm or the auditor's report section. If the auditor's report is qualified, it will be mentioned in this section then it tells me how to do it. Unfortunately, as an AI, I'm unable to automate this process for every ASX-listed company. You'd have to check each company's annual report individually or use a specialized database or service that tracks this information. Uh, you know, I don't know about that. I think that as it progresses, we might be able to figure out a way around that. Alex suggested we just download all of the annual reports and feed that into it and say, check all of these, which isn't easy to do yet unless you have your own AI running locally, which I've tried to do in the last couple of weeks and I haven't succeeded because I'm not quite nerdy enough to figure out how to do that. But some people are doing it with some success. But hopefully we will get to a point, is my point, in the not too distant future, where we will be able to say, here's a list of companies, go check their websites, find their latest annual report and tell me if any of them have a qualified audit. That's not, you know, I think a big stretch for the role of an AI in our investing research. What these chat regenerative AI systems are good at, these large language models, is reading stuff and understanding the stuff that they read. So you should be able to point it at a bunch of websites, say, find the latest annual report, read it, and give me a report. Build me a spreadsheet on which ones
1: have a qualified report and which ones don't. So hopefully that'll make life easier. We could also extend that for them to screen scrape all the figures we need as well and cut out any sort of data provider.
0: Ostensibly, yeah, you'll be able to get it to go through an annual report and turn all of the figures into a, some sort of digestible format. I foresee the uh, day in the not-too-distant future where we'll be able to use these AI tools for research in that kind of uh, manner. People will probably build, you know, and they already are building AI based investing services where they're sort of doing this for you, I guess. is Basically, grabbing all of the data out of Refinitiv or Reuters or somebody and putting a, some sort of a chat GPT style interface to it so you can query it and ask it questions. There'll be a lot of those. Uh, you may just be able to cut out the middleman, though. and pointed at a company's website and say, analyze their financials and plug it into this sort of a checklist. I'm not sure.
1: I was kicking myself last week. I should have twigged to uh, how we could benefit from AI when you started talking about it, because I noticed Nvidia, the chip maker to AI systems was up 25% last week. I should have gone out and bought their shares when you started talking about ChatGPT.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Microsoft shares are up because they own 50% of OpenAI. NVIDIA shares are up. Google's shares or Alphabet's shares are up. Not sure about Facebook's, though. I don't know if you saw this, but Facebook quietly killed its whole metaverse strategy oh. about a month ago. So their rebranding didn't work either. <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, $100 billion that Zuck threw into the metaverse has taken a back step now that it uh, turns out AI is going to be the next. Wave (laughs) and not the metaverse.
1: Well, there you go. There's a salutary lesson about trying to predict things, isn't it? If Zuckerberg can't get tech trends right, who the hell can? Good point.
0: Quick portfolio report. Dummy portfolio, still tracking at about two and a half times the benchmark since inception. I think we're doing about 16.2% per annum versus about 7% for the STW. For new listeners, Inception's September 2019, so coming up on three years. I mean four years, three and three-quarter years. Four years, yeah. For the financial year, though, the STW was way ahead of us. But as I said to Tony earlier, our performance isn't bad for the STW, for for the, sorry, the financial year. We're up, I don't know, 11% for the financial year. That's not too bad. I mean, the STW is up about 16%, so it's doing better than we are in you know one brief period of time. But being up 10 11% in a year is uh, nothing to cry about. For the quarter, we're basically at zero now. We've come down a lot uh, in, with the last sort of goings on in the market. And um, the STW is, I think, up 1% for the quarter. So it's doing slightly better than we are, but there's really not much between us. It's been a a miserable couple of months in the markets, as we know.
1: Yeah. And I think I was talking before off air with you, I had a look at, uh, I'm trying to find something to buy at the moment. I thought I might be able to after the debt ceiling was resolved, but I still haven't quite got there with a couple of things. But I was looking at this commodity scorecard that gets produced every week by Alex and Everything is either a Josephine or a cell. I think, with the exception of magnesium, I and mean, I can't even think who's which company <laughs> mines magnesium. So at least uh, in a large amount, uh, it's probably part of South 32 or something like that. Yeah, that kind of shuts down a quarter to the third of the market for us to to look at buying from. Uh, especially in the in the large cap space, it leaves things like Qantas and QBE and my sort of investing universe. But they're both Josephines at the moment, so I can't buy any more of those. Uh, and nothing new popping up. So, uh, and I guess the the other thing about the commodities all being sales or Josephines is there's not much going on in the world economically to drive those commodities. So they're all going backwards as well. Yeah, like you said, not good news economically around the world at the moment. But as we also said off air, it's a great time to buy and to be to be invested because things could turn around quickly. And when they do, they just pop, and you want to be in the market then.
0: I think that's the hardest. Thing to convince people of. like, I know there's been a lot of QAV members who have got started in QAV over the last couple of years, and it hasn't gone well for them, not because they're doing anything wrong or not because QAV doesn't work, but because the market's pretty much gone sideways for the last couple of years, down and sideways. As you know, I keep pointing out, if you just look at the all odds over the last two years, it pretty much hasn't moved. And depending on when you got started in your investing, it has gone up and down over the last two years and ended up back where it started. But depending on when you started and when you stopped, you could have lost 10 or 20% over that period. And I can understand that that's psychologically and emotionally difficult for people when they get excited about something and they get into it. It's just the unfortunate truth that that's the way markets go in different cycles. and what you know from experience and i know from your experience and from looking at your returns over the last 30 years is down cycles in the market uh, followed by up cycles in the market and if you're not in the market when it start you know it, it, you never know that the like our maxims say you never know when it's turned around until later 6 months later you go oh wow we're up by 20% but if you weren't in it at the beginning of that you've just missed that 20%, and there might still be another 20% left in it, but then you're up 20%, not
1: 40%. Yeah. And it, I mean, uh, like, like you were saying, if you were a new investor and you're backwards by 25% in the last 12 months or last two years or whatever the number is, if I went back in time two years ago and said to you, here's the deal, you may well lose 25% in the short term, but you are going to get double market in the long term. And you get, you know, when it turns, you're going to, Probably double the size of your portfolio. So you'll be out seventy-five percent. Would you take that deal? And you probably would. So please don't stumble at the first hurdle.
0: Like you gotta take a long-term view with this, and the money's not really gone when your portfolio goes down by 10% or 20%. It's not really gone anywhere. It's just ones and zeros
1: somewhere. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's a counter. It's a token. It's a token. That's right. It only goes if you sell up and take it out of the market and put it in the bank. Then you've crystallized your losses. Yeah, losing a bit of money is one thing, but losing confidence is everything. That's the old saying.
0: And as I was saying to Stuart and Jemima on the call this morning, one of the things that I've heard you say and Buffett say and Ben Graham say is in long-term success as an investor is more about temperament than intelligence. It's about being able to just persist, have discipline follow a system, weather the storms, ignore the hype, ignore the doom and gloom during the dark times, and ignore the rampant
1: hype during the bubbles. Equally as important. Yeah, equally as important. And just five minutes ago, was we saying how good NVIDIA has done last week. I would really caution any listener out there who's going, oh, it hasn't worked for me, QAV, I've lost 10%. But if I had to put it in NVIDIA, I'd be Double my money now. I think please don't go and put it in NVIDIA. Even Kathy Woods, who runs the ARC funds, is being laughed at because she's going, AI is a new bubble and there's no I can't I can't value NVIDIA on the kind of lofty PEs it's trading at the moment. Like I just can't even even she can't countenance that kind of high valuation in tech. So it's a successor bias, right? You don't want to be late to the train.
0: Yeah. But what we do know is, you know, history has proven for a very long time companies that have a good track record of generating cash and good management tend to outperform businesses that don't have a good track record of doing that over the long haul. And if you can buy those companies at a discount to their intrinsic valuation, you'll do well more often than not. You know, not all of them will become a winner and you'll have to rule one some and you'll have to three PTL some, but over the long term, more will do better than won't and you will end up with double market results. Correct. That's what we know. That's what history has taught us anyway. I mean, past performance may not predict future performance, but your 30 years, Buffett 60 years of testing that thesis has worked so far, and there have been downturns and global financial crises and, you know, various wars and God knows what else
1: in that period of time. Yeah, far more serious than the current period that we're in. Plagues. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, It's a bit plaguy in Brisbane at the moment. They're doing burn-offs the last couple of days, and it's just the air is full of smoke and haze and Uh, anywho and you're having earthquakes down in Melbourne this week. It's the end of times, people. Dogs and cats. <laughs> Living together. <laughs> Might have to do an update to Marketing the Messiah going, hey, we were wrong. He is coming back. It's uh, 2,000 years late, but he's coming back. It's the end of times. For the people out there that are uh, second-guessing or doubting themselves, you can do that. You, know, you can pull out and whatever but crystallize your losses as you said but or you can just take a long-term view cool your jets relax deep
1: breathe don't even look at the numbers just keep following the rules yeah i mean just i mean just think about what we're saying is there are businesses out there that generate cash hand over fist that aren't out there on the front page of the newspapers every week the more boring the better that they are because we can buy them cheaper and we can get them on four or five times cash flow. And yet people get drawn like moths to the flame and you know want to buy the latest big success story, hop from the peak of one market to the peak of another market. When all these things, ones we're going to do a pulled talk on today, the ones I mentioned, Qantas, QBE, uh, Macquarie Bank, they're all there. They're all so cheap on a cash flow basis. And yet, because they're not out there making headlines every day, and I know Qantas does for the wrong reasons sometimes, but <laughs> but they're not out there as sexy. The price that we're offered to buy these things is really cheap. And if you buy a good business cheaply, how how possibly can you go wrong? All that can happen is management can stuff up, yep. In which case, yeah, they'll be replaced. And you you might go backwards for a while. The economy can stuff up, so politicians can stuff up, yep and that'll get fixed at the next election, and you might have to kill your jets for a while, but yeah, it's the age-old wisdom of the market. You're being offered cheap businesses all the time, but there's all this other noise around there to distract you. Don't look at this, look at that.
0: And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners Zoom calls, etc. etc. Sign up for the two week free trial and check all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you uh, like the idea of value investing qav style but don't feel like you have the time or resources to uh, you know, learn how to do qav for yourself, think about signing up for qav light. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week and then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio and if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. It's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus And then where are you? But, you know, while he's not, we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. That's it. If you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episodes. And if you have any questions, uh, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. All right, have a great week and good luck with your investing. QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 001292718. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.